Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Steeler. Fury. to the Pittsburgh Steelers show on the SteelerFury.com network. Uh, I am your host, Brad Chadaben, uh, a.k.a. Accidental Zen on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. It is my name, Will Massasak. I've forgotten. Uh, and with me, I've, I've gotten the show off to a rousing start today. <laughs> with me, as always, are my uh, excellent cohorts, slightly less grumpy this week, but still curmudgeonly. Uh, he is in Pittsburgh, Suburban Zone 22, not really. His name is Steel Perch. He's with us. How are you, sir? Well, better than last week. Yeah, you are. Uh, and also with us from somewhere in the south, uh, not in the path of a hurricane for a change. Uh, his name is FC. He's also with us. How are you, sir? Actually, I'm dead in the path of this hurricane. Really? <laughs> so I'm riding the storm out. I am. Uh, this is probably the closest and most dangerous this has been to me since uh, Hugo, since Hurricane Hugo. They said down here, which I wasn't down here for. But yeah, we're... Uh, we're in the path of 70 to 90 mile per hour winds, and supposedly we're going to get up to uh, 18 inches of rain in under a day. So, to oh quote the great Aria Speedwagon, I'm riding the storm out. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, I, I stand corrected. I didn't realize yeah. it was turning, turning back your too, way. Not too concerned. This is the first time I like like brought the furniture, outdoor furniture in and, you know, battened down the hatches a little bit. But, yeah, I think we'll be all right. The thing I'm well, most concerned about you, losing power and not being able to watch the Steelers on Sunday. So, yeah, this is a problem. Uh, I'm, um, yeah. At least I know. Uh, luckily for you, you you are of a size that you're unlikely to blow away. Correct. <laughs> I, I have the ability to anchor still. <laughs> I can anchor. Uh, there, there's a good place to start. Your Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I just something I I noticed. I wonder if you've seen. FC film of Marquise Pouncey against yep. Dedrick Sinat in this football game because that would be a, seen, something that was not necessarily. I've seen yes, I watched. I watched some. Um, Pouncey had some struggles at times. He had some good plays at times. I'm going to lean more to. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit more of a complete performance, but uh, you can't take the highs with the highs. You got to take the highs with the highs and lows with the lows. Um, Steelers ran the ball successfully, so I'm not going to complain too much. No, actually, uh, Perch, I, I, I think FC was kind of Nostradamus about this particular game. He nailed it with the Steelers' approach. Uh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, you know, I was watching the first, oh, I don't know, quarter of the game, and I'm thinking, that fucker was right. <laughs> <laughs> same exact thing. Yeah, I did but, the same you thing. Know, just, you know, from just the tone of the podcast, and, and that was, you know, one of the two ways we kind of figured the game was going to go, and he was pretty demonstrative if that was the way it was going to go. And, you know, it, Steelers, October football, uh, just kind of getting back to basics. And I think uh, to to steal his thunder from last week, it's going to be more the same this week. You know, every time that they go and play Cincinnati, it seems like they kind of find their run game and more physical and and out-physical Cincinnati, especially down at their place. And, you know, I think last week's a pretty good precursor and and setup for what, you know, they're starting to find their groove, what works and what they do well. So uh, we'll, we'll see if it can continue this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little curious to see how much carryover there is. Um, but FC had to feel like had to feel like on a good note that there were some real positives, particularly in the second half for the offense, seemed to click pretty well together, and uh, for the defense in general, stepped it up against a, a pretty good offensive opponent. They did. I mean, they played together. They they played as cohesive units. They trusted each other. They played fast. 
you know, they weren't perfect, but, you know, they made plays. They dumped the coverage. That's going to happen in the NFL. I mean, you know, if you would have told me that Julio Jones wasn't going to have a catch almost into the fourth quarter, that we were going to pretty much, you know, contain Calvin Ridley and that Austin Hooper was going to be their main offensive weapon, it seemed, outside of a pretty big play from Mohamed Sanu, you know, I, uh, you got you gotta you gotta be quite happy with the Steelers' performance on you know all three aspects of the game, including special teams. Jordan Berry controlling field position, they blocked the punt, not too many penalties. You know, it was a good game, good solid performance. Yeah, Steelers blowout, as they like to say. Except for this time, they actually kind of did get the blowout. Yeah. It's a very weird sensation to watch a Steelers game and watch the last ten minutes or so and realize that there's nothing really at stake because it's never that. It's always closer <laughs> than that. Um, uh, Perch, I, I have to say, uh, I, I, the thing that really jumped out to me differently about this game, there were two, two things, and they were both in the middle of the field for the defense. One was, uh, LJ Fort, um, played like, I wonder why he didn't play more last year or maybe the year before. Uh, and the second thing was, uh, Edmonds. I felt both of those guys made a huge step up from what was, ha- what happened the week before. Uh, or the, for the last couple of weeks, do you think that's sustainable? As you know, Edmonds reached a point where he is starting to get better in a way that helps. Is Fort going to play still? How, how do you see these defensive changes working out? Yeah, you know, I think Edmonds going to have experience a number of rookie growing pains. I remember how bad Troy Polamalu was, and Edmonds is not no Troy Polamalu, but his rookie year was forgettable. I don't think any of us after his rookie year said that guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. So. It's just the mental aspects of the game. I think he's gonna he's gonna have games where he looks really good because I think he does have good athleticism and uh, games where he looks off. So that's is kind of what you think there. The inside linebacker. Let's let's not kid ourselves. It's a shit show, and when we have one person have a respectable NFL caliber game, we're like, wow, that guy was really good. I mean, that's how far our standards have fallen. You know, LJ Ford. I thought he did some nice things. He wasn't, uh, you know. Lighten, lighten the league on fire there. I, th- I thought he made some nice plays and showed more range than, you know, some of the other guys we have at inside linebacker and Vince Williams and Matikiewicz and those guys. But, uh, you know, I think he's hurt and he's probably not going to play this week and Vince Williams is practicing and he's coming back. So it's, you know, back to more of the same. But I th- that may be a benefit to the Steelers because I think just the way that Cincinnati's going to line up to play against them, you're going to want uh, somebody kind of coming downhill uh, and stopping the run. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like uh, Mixon is maybe the biggest weapon to worry about against Cincinnati this week. Um, it just feels like that was the difference. That was the difference for Cincinnati in this last week's game. They got behind. They didn't give up on the run, and uh, they, they gave Mixon more touches they in the second half. Yeah, That's it was happened. a fucking miracle that they won. There's yeah. no way they should have won that game. Tannehill threw, hand him the game basically on two shitty passes into uh, into his own lineman for interceptions. Pick six. <laughs> that one for the pick six into his lineman was like, like uh, I I'm not even sure how he did that. Like if he tried to do that, I'm not sure he could. That I think was it was like big man score touchdowns the, uh, the past week in the NFL because uh, Linval yeah. Joseph like had like. I think like a 38 yard interception slash fumble return. And I would be screaming at some offensive players. How the fuck does Linval Linval Joseph score from 40 yards away? I like me some Linval Joseph, but, uh, he looked looked athletic. He was running. He looked athletic. He was moving. Oh, I know. But I mean, after the first 20 yards, he was really moving. And the last 20, he was (laughs) really huffing and puffing. That was, it was long though. Uh, yeah. Hey, by the way, you, you'll like this. Uh, during his kick, his return, he reached a max speed of eighteen point two miles per hour, according to Next Gen stats. That's, that's like that's like wide receiver speed. I'll, I'll bet you, I'll bet you, Heinz Ward never hit eighteen point two. <laughs> Maybe he did, but uh, James Washington. Washington. <laughs> James Washington hasn't hit eighteen two. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it was definitely big man scores. All right, but. You know, it, it just it feels like uh, it's a different kind of you know, similar team in a way, Cincinnati and on offense. But uh, I, I think you know Julio Jones is more of a threat for Atlanta, and Joe Mixon is more of a threat for uh, Cincinnati. Like I'm, I don't know, am I wrong, FC, to be not really an AG AJ Green believer? 
He oh, really AJ Green's a fantastic wide receiver. Don't be confused. We somehow, some way, have the AG, AJ Green kryptonite in Joe Hayden. Um, Player Tribune article where AJ Green came out and said it. I mean, if you go look statistically at what Joe Hayden has done to AJ Green throughout his career, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's really, really shut him down. Um, and I'm actually more afraid of Devontae Freeman. I was more afraid of Devontae Freeman and Devin Coleman than I am of Joe Mixon. And it's not going to be Gio Bernard. He's out. Um, I can't remember the other back, but I'm wasn't a humongous fan. Um, and Joe Mixon does not like to get hit. Does not like to get hit at all. And I think the Steelers are going to, you know, put the hot sauce on. It's going to be Steelers Bengals where, you know, I think Perch, you know, hit the nail on the head is we're going to come in there, in there with a baseball bat and we're going to try to just pound their fucking heads in. It's what we always do. We can sit here during this podcast and say the Steelers are going to be creative and blah, blah, blah. It's going to come down to our front seven on both sides of the ball is going to dominate their front seven. And that's just the way it is. Well, I have I'm never been more of a Steelers fan than I am now. After I do not often listen to the media, but I would like to choke the fucking life out of Max Kellerman. The Steelers are going to make the playoffs. I told you, 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 the Steelers suck. I so badly want the Steelers to go on like and just not fucking lose and just watch like Stephen A. Smith finally come across that desk and punch him in the fucking face. But. <laughs> I don't get mad at the media like this anymore. I get, I've gotten by it. But even after the Steelers put up solid performances, you know, I heard it in the background. It was just like, oh, they got lucky. Atlanta rolled over. Yeah, it's, it's an easy narrative, you know. It's Funny. an easy narrative. Um, so, so, Perch, you know, not too, too low after any loss, not too high after any win. Last week you were on the show talking about how the Steelers – with their schedule, the way they faced it, they didn't have a really good chance to uh, to get back in this thing. Are you are you moving at all the needle after this week's victory, or do you think that was it was just more like all right? Well, they needed that one, but they there's still a good chance they're gonna not have enough. The schedule is really difficult, and it is. You know, it, it just kind of playing things out and looking for who knows. Maybe the the only thing I think I maybe have turned the worm on a little bit. I can now see a scenario where two AFC North teams get to get to the playoffs. I just think that the I think Baltimore's solid enough, and their schedule is is uh, quite a bit easier than the Steelers. That catching and passing them now that they've got you know essentially a game and uh, lead on us in the AFC North, it's going to be a little bit challenging. But you know Miami doesn't have staying power. Uh, I don't know if anybody out in the NFC West has staying power uh, outside of Kansas City. And the same thing with, with the South. You know, somebody's going to win those divisions. But, uh, you know, 10 wins is, I think, the, the Steelers still have to get to 10. And that's that's going to be a pretty uh, tough, you know, that means I can lose, what, two or three more the rest of the year? Yeah, so three more games the rest of the year with Jacksonville, Baltimore, New England, and a couple of West Coast road trips. It's going to be really tough. I mean, they can't have any more screw-ups uh, from this point forward. So these next three or four weeks where they're playing AFC North uh, three games in a row, it's you know if they can get through that three uh three and oh yeah if they go two and one maybe one and two they're done so it's, yeah, it's i kind of feel the same way i feel like this stretch you go three and oh you're actually in the driver's seat and you have you have a i mean at least a margin for error in the rest of that tough schedule uh you go two and one yeah you, you're pretty much going to have to go five and three or something against some very good teams um i, I you know one thing to, to note here is so far this season Steelers have played two top five defenses, Cleveland and Baltimore. They got a tie and a loss in those two games. They played three defenses in the in the bottom, uh, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, and Atlanta, and they were two and one against those two teams. Looking ahead here, we don't we don't really have too many games out of those uh, eleven that are left. Uh, they only have three games left against top rated defenses. Everybody else is below 18, 18, 19, 20, 20, 22, 25, 26, 29. You know, it's early in the season. Those those ranking c- could change a little bit, but I I do think positive uh, light in the you know in this considering the Steelers are only a 500 team right now. I guess I'm going to feel slightly optimistic about their chances because I feel like their offense at least uh, is unlikely to be stymied a lot the rest of the year. Um, I don't know. So maybe I'm you know I'm always a little optimistic. I think 
but I feel like their chances are, I feel better about their chances now than I did before last weekend because, you know, can't help but the defense played actually a, a, a pretty solid football game uh, and the offense had uh, fits and starts in the first half, but really in the second half were, were uh, you know, pretty much what you'd hope they would be. Uh, FC, we finally put this, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, Ben, misconnect. Have we finally put that narrative to bed? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, to a point. I mean, Ben, I, I don't want to – it's it's blasphemy to do, but Ben was a lot better in the second half. Ben decided to step in the, th- in the throws, and Ben decided the elbow didn't hurt as much in the second half as it did in the first half. And, I mean, that explains 10 for 12. He was absolutely terrible in the first quarter. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not confuse ourselves. He was terrible. But, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, 10 for 12, a little bit under 200 yards, and was throwing dimes. If Ben is make also the – I can't get by it. We won, but that interception, that can't happen at the end of the second quarter. This can't happen. I mean – you, you, Boswell sucks. I understand that, but at worst, you got to take the field goal there. You got you got to get those points. That's if if you're going to continue to win games, if you know you're going to get out of this hole that you dug, you can't make mistakes like that. And I mean, this seems going to go as far as the front seven on both sides take him and Ben takes him. I think the skill players are good enough. I'm coming around to perch in your thought where James Washington really can't be a difference maker outside at this point. I slide him into the slot. See what Juju can do back outside. I understand Juju's had tons of success in the slot. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL out of the slot. But if you can get the most out of those three with James Washington, maybe in the slot for now, build him some confidence, you know, build some trust between Washington and Ben, I think you could have, you know, better results, you know, later in the season. We're going to need three receivers. You know, we're going to need Vance McDonald and James, Jesse James to continue to produce. Just yeah, I mean, I think. Have- I mean, first of all, to address your thing about the interception, yeah, I mean, I give I give them a little bit of a pass only because they've been so good. No, no, I mean, they've been so good in the end of the first half over the course of the last few years that that was a real anomaly. It's not like he's making that poor decision all the time. Um, and you, you get no excuse for the fact for this, what I'm about to say. But actually, you know, if Antonio Brown doesn't miss time as jump, it's probably a touchdown, as bad a throw and choice as it was. Um, as far as the other thing, Perch, I mean, can it hurt? I mean, when, when Darius Haywood Bay is healthy, can it hurt to have him take some of those snaps from James Washington? Is it really going to stunt James Washington's development to, to do that? Because I think if I think you can get away with that, and it might actually help you a little bit. Well, I mean, I, 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 that's a whole different topic there. But, I mean, to me, if, if you're already admitting five games into James Washington's career that the guy you drafted to be the deep threat to take over from Martavis Bryant to be the next Mike Wallace – is an abject failure that at that role, what you drafted him for, then you got bigger problems because I think he, he does have good enough hands and, and strength and things like that and blocking ability and football character that he can be a, a productive receiver in a different sort of role. But I mean, hey guys, it was two more times in this game. I saw him go deep and didn't get a step of separation, not one. So unless Ben throws that thing perfect and make it a 50, 50 ball and James Washington go up and, and I'll wrestle somebody for it. Uh, how's he, you know, uh, how does he contribute? How is he stretching the defense? And that's, you know, why Antonio's getting so much double coverage rolled to him. And, you know, here's another thing. You know, hey, Ben was inaccurate. Ben was bad. Ben was 13 for 14 in that game to receivers not named James Washington, Antonio Brown. So he was dead nut, dead nuts on the money, you know, accurate to everybody else. Uh, three of those passes to Antonio Brown were shit awful. I, he just, you know, was nowhere near it accuracy wise. That forced interception was just stupid. But you know, when he throws to James Washington, James Washington's covered. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's that's the thing. If you go through Ben's stats for the whole, it's not just that game. Extrapolate that out for the whole season. His quarterback rating is like 110 throwing to everybody else, and throwing to those two guys is like 70. So, yeah, and some so, sort of disconnect there and. I would say I some of that though. Well, they're also outside receivers, and he's been he's been favoring his elbow from the sound of what he said this week. So, you know, I'm um, I'm wondering. You know, I think those I think there's a little bit of a coinc- uh, non non coincidental factor to the fact that 
those are a lot of missed throws deeper down the field towards the sideline, and maybe that's the thing that he's been having trouble with. All right, with. he's missing that, but then that does not explain the, the quick outs to Antonio Brown that's just shit. It, it, there's nothing – you can't tell me that has anything to do with the, with the elbow. It's just Ben being sloppy with his footwork and, and getting set and getting the ball out to a guy that's 10 feet away from him. And how about yeah. – I mean, so we're talking about a bruise to an elbow, right, that happened a month, a month ago, a full month. And it still hurts him to the point where he, in games that he can't throw. I don't get that. I mean, I don't know if that's just an excuse coming out this week, but Caboli, Mark Caboli, Poli, Mark Caboli, our, our buddy. Uh, <laughs> who loves kinda, us so? Yeah. <laughs> who uh, <laughs> love to pick on. Was uh, kind of tweeting during the game when Ben threw that interception in the end zone. He tweeted out, you know, he, he said something about it earlier in the week. You know, hey, Ben's elbow is an issue. You guys need to you know look out for that. He said, Ben tried to throw that ball out of the back of the end zone, but he didn't have enough strength on his on his throw because uh, his elbow. I, I I don't think that at all. I think Ben was just trying to force in a touchdown pass there. But and then after the game, for Ben to come out on his radio show on Tuesday and basically said the same thing was, yeah, you know, I missed two or three passes in that game I ordinarily wouldn't have because you know I'm dealing some issues with the elbow. So I don't know how to read that. I mean. <sighs> Who knows? Well, he said it was. <laughs> you know, he said it was making a miss high, not that he didn't have enough strength, which is a different. Well, he thing. also he also said he's been missing high because he's not used to throwing to taller receivers. Uh, some of the ones he's missing, <laughs> Jesse James. He said, "Well, yeah, I, I get a little bit lazy on my technique and my form when I throw to these taller guys because you know I don't have to dial it down as much as I do to these shorter receivers I've thrown to all of my career." So, and then if I go back to watch the first half of the Cleveland game before he got uh, his elbow ding. His deep passes were shit then, too. So <laughs> I think Ben's full of shit. I think the elbow is an excuse. I think he's just being lazy on his form. That's that's my uh, unprofessional opinion. It could be. The one that crosser to Antonio Brown that he missed in the first quarter was as bad as – I mean, he never misses that throw. The the little quick screen that he missed, though, I think – 30 or 40-yard game. The dude is – he you know. He's he, money he, on that. He probably, he probably runs 20 yards before somebody touches him. And with yeah. his moves, he may, he may have taken that the whole length of the field. But the, uh, this, I will say that the screen out to Antonio Brown, I think just if you look at the replay, he just never had – he didn't have the uh, laces and it just, you know, the ball didn't – ball just came out funny. That that one worried me less. The one the, the one that he missed with the crosser to Antonio Brown for the – that would have been a big play. Now, that was like an alarm bell going off to me. That was like something is seriously wrong because he never misses that. Um, but anyway, go ahead. Here's a, a tell on Ben. See if you guys pick up on this, or maybe you've already caught it. But when he's at the line, say he's in shotgun, watch how much his back is crouched over. The more he leans forward, that tells you it's either going to be a handoff or, or a quick screen pass. If he's more straight up, he's throwing it. He's throwing it deeper. He's reading the defense. Just watch when he stands there. Watch how much his uh, his upper body is crouched down, like he's bending in half. If he's doing that, he's handing off or, or quick pass. So. A little bit of a tell. Just try and watch it. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I've been trying for the last couple of years to try to figure out any of the Antonio Brown Ben signals that they give each other, and I haven't figured that one out yet. I thought I had one. I thought um, when Antonio Brown put uh, his hand, adjusted something on his back, either like he'd reach up and, and tap his jersey or pull at his jersey from behind or something, I thought for a while that that was one where he was uh, you know, changing his route to a go route or something, but uh, I haven't uh, – it's interesting that that whole thing with the tells FC, how much, how much do you, when you watch the game, do you look for, for trying to figure out signals? Like, like all the, the hand, yeah, the oh, hand signals on the all 22 all the time. Yeah. Since the I figured s- out Kirsten home, Kirsten Palmer going to do his mouth and licking his fingers way back in the day. I look for it all the time now. I haven't been able to figure out shit between the two of them. The one yeah. thing I will say about Ben in the second half is uh, he was finishing his throws a whole lot more. Imagine making it an inverted C instead of coming out a little bit wider with the U. I think in the first half he actually was a little bit wider. I'm not going to make an excuse for him, but uh, he was a lot more over the top in the second half. It was noticeable. I even said, you know, um, the, the pass that he threw, the first touchdown to Antonio Brown from about 10, 11 yards out is – an elite throw. That's Ben. That's a dart. That's just like, whenever he threw that, I was like, all right, he's pissed. This shit's done. And it pretty much was. I kind of felt it was done after the Steelers were able to basically death march. I couldn't believe the Steelers didn't control more time of possession in that game. It seemed like they had the ball constantly, but it wasn't as dominant as I expected it to be where it was. Yeah. Same. That surprised me as well. Um, 
Well, let's let's uh, block button defensive touchdown will ski those. Sure, passes. that'll definitely absolutely. change things, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're like a. I mean, uh, Bud Dupree almost had this second defensive touchdown. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, well, let's talk about this week's opponent a little bit, Perch. Um, and we touched on it a little bit already, but um, it, you know, the recently the Steelers have kind of had the Bengals number. Um, you know, what's 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 the same? What's the diff- what's different? It's a new year. It's a different team. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the Steelers and the Bengals are just about the same as they were. Like I'm not sure anything's really changed since the last time they played. It's all window dressing. The, the differences. Uh, how do you see this matchup with the Bengals being the same or different? Sob, same old Bengals. That's how I see it. Um, you know, like you said, some of the window dressing, some of the offensive coordinating stuff that they have is, is a little bit different than they've had some success earlier on. But, you know, Andy Dalton still Andy Dalton. He, he has some games. He looks really good. When he plays Pittsburgh, he looks really bad. He's already got seven interceptions and been sacked nine times. And, uh, you, you know, his, his targets are, are pretty limited. It's you know, Tyler Boyd's really starting to emerge. And that, I'm glad to see. I, I followed him all the way back to when he was playing hoops and football back at uh, Clarion here in, 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 uh, in Pittsburgh as a high school kid. So he's really developed into a legitimate number two receiver for them. Um, but really, it's him and A.J. Green. You know, Eifert got his uh, three games of the year in before he went back on a car. <laughs> <laughs> we should have a – wait, we should have a, like an all-star team, an NFL all-pro team for guys who only play three games a year. I'm going to nominate Sean Lee, the linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, Tyler Eifert. There's got to be a few other guys making that list. Uh, Senquez Golden anyway. couldn't even make that team. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the practice squad for that team, though. Uh, anyway, sorry, Perch. I, I derailed you. Go ahead. They've got Bizarro James Washington over there and John Ross, who was really, really fast but can't do anything else. I mean, he's got yes. a couple of catches, you know. So it, it, otherwise, I don't see a whole lot. I guess, you know, the one I would like to talk about on the defense that's different is Jesse Bates. You know, he's sure. covered a lot of range in the back end. And, you know, their, their secondary is good. I mean, that's the thing I think with the big key to this game for me is if the Steelers can establish the ground game the way they did against Atlanta, they'll control the game, they'll shorten the game, they'll wear the Bengals out, they'll win the game. If they get into a situation where they've got a pass and Cincinnati has some good interior pass rushers and they've got some really good guys on the back end of the defense that can make some big interceptions, it's where you can get into some trouble. So it, it, to me, the game comes – if you tell me James Conner goes over 100 yards, I'm telling you the Steelers win. If you're telling me – we throw the ball 50 times. I'm telling you, probably the Steelers lose. And that's, uh, you know, that's the whole thing, I think. Otherwise, the personnel is very similar to what we've seen in the past. A, a, a tiny tweak here or there, kind of on both sides. It's very similar to the, the teams where the Steelers swept the Bengals twice last year, basically the same two teams. I don't know, FC, how about you? Same, different? Uh, they're a little bit more physical on offense with the addition of Cordy Glenn at left tackle. They're a little bit less athletic with the addition of Cordy Glenn at left tackle. Um, <laughs> defensively, um, you know, the front four is the same. You know what you're going to get. Um, the backers can run. Uh, Jesse Bates is phenomenal in coverage. Phenomenal. Um, I don't think he's going to be very enthusiastic after the second or third time having to meet James Conner in the hole. Um, I agree with Perch. I believe the Steelers um, definitely do have to establish the run, not only because, you know, control the clock, control the ball. Um, also gives the Steelers a little bit of confidence to go along with rhythm. And uh, defensive backs um, tend to miss tackles time. after taking on, you know, the Vance McDonald's, Jesse James, John Connor, Rosie Nix of the world. Um Bates is going to want to run and cover. Um, the, the, the Bengals would like this to probably – they would like to physically dominate the Steelers' defense, and they would like the Steelers to throw the ball a ton. Um, I agree. You know, Geno Atkins is a concern. He can rush the passer from the interior. Ramon Foster and David DeCastro have had their issues in pass pro. Um, Marcus Gilbert, I thought, probably played his best game in a couple years last week. Um, I wasn't even certain Vic Beasley was playing. Um, they, they flipped Pat McKinley and Vicks Beasley all game in this, the Steelers tackles, fell on a wave and Gilbert were both excellent. Um, if the Steelers don't make bonehead mistakes, don't turn over the ball. I think that they're going to pretty much hammer 
Cincinnati. It's going to be old school Steelers again. Heavy dose of the run. <laughs> heavy, heavy dose of the run. Run more, please. I mean, um, and, and heavy dose of the run in today's NFL means John Connor, I believe, had 28 carries last week. I believe the other backs combined for three or four. So if the Steelers get to 30 carries, that's hammering them with the run in today's football, unfortunately. Sure. Um, hey, you guys know uh, who the second leading rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers is, don't you? Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Doesn't he look good running this year? I mean, every time I watch him run, I just laugh. It's like, wow. I would love to see some yoga. I mean, I, I believe yoga. It's funny, it's funny as that sounds, man. I got into it like two years ago, and you're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You just, you get just the ability to move. You know what I mean? You it just, and flow. I mean, it sounds hilarious. I used to get out of bed sore. Not anymore. I mean, I would love to see Ben get into some yoga. Tom Brady's got, he's doing some things that are really right. And the way he takes care of his body, I think every NFL quarterback should emulate. Same thing with Drew Brees. They're both big into yoga, as funny as that is. I think actually Ben said he's doing (laughs) the super pills and deer antler spray. Actually, Ben, I think one of the things Ben said he was doing was uh, yoga and Pilates. There you go. for for writers, but actually, every time I see Ben run FC, I just think about you, like two years ago, saying what's really changed about Ben's game is that he can't run right and pick up these free yards that defenses are giving to him. If and you I just think like, look like, at the, the the career path of Ben, like from 2005 his rookie year to probably 2000 and even nine, I mean, he was Russell Wilson in that big of a body. You know what I mean? And you know, he took the hits. He got the shit kicked out of him. I'm, I'm not saying it's because he's fat or lazy or because he doesn't work out. He is a bit of a drama queen, but his body has taken a beating over the years. And, uh, you know, the ability to, to stumble for 8 to 12 yards and move those chains a lot of times is just so damn key. And I, if you watch just the, the trans, you know, kind of the transition of the quarterback position and these more spread offenses and all these young quarterbacks coming in, that's a whole other aspect of the game that you have to have. I mean, if, if teams are going to rush three and drop eight, and you're a big, fat, slow quarterback who can't do anything about that, you know, uh, it it really hinders you. It's it's a part of the game you kind of have to have. So with him just to be able to go that one or two times a game and just take off and on, you know third and seven and then run for eight or nine yards. It's a huge aspect of the game. It's like a whole other play added in there. And it's something you kind of have to have. You can't just be well, and it's sort of, it, forces, it forces that defense to not play man-to-man coverage is really what it does. You know, it's like you play against Ben, you should not be able to play man because either his receivers are going to win or Ben is going to get free and run the football. And, you know, that's, that we should be able to be face these soft zones all the time. Um, Here's an interesting stat. I think I got this right. In the last four games uh, versus the Bengals, uh, the Steelers have 465 rushing yards. uh, And in the last nine games, 976 rushing yards against the Bengals. So, you know, back in the day, Steelers used to have trouble running against the Bengals in their 4-3 front. If you remember this Steelers offensive line talking about how they were so used to practicing against the 3-4 front that they didn't have much success uh, against some of these 4-3 fronts. That has really turned around in the last few years. Um, so, because I was tempted to say there, well, I wonder what kind of rushing success. It doesn't seem like they've had that much success running the football against Cincinnati, but they have the last couple of times. Um, and to that end, FC is talking about, you know, uh, dom- the, the front sevens of the Steelers uh, dominating this game. You know, for all those pass rushing, uh, pass rushers that Cincinnati has, uh, it seems like. Steelers offense is going to want to run the football against them. Anybody want to talk about the Steelers run game against Cincinnati? It's basic, simple. I mean, we're, we don't do, we're not fancy or anything. Uh, our, you know, offensive line got to, you know, block their, you know, basically just stay loyal to their blocking principles. And Vance McDonald and Jesse James, both are very good run blockers. Jesse James went from being, Eh, below average to average to he's quite a bit above average now and Vance McDonald's always been physical oft injured but physical Xavier Grimble in limited snaps is pretty good run blocker Rosie Nix blocks his balls off the thing that I think a lot of Steeler fans overlooked is 
Steelers wide receivers, I mean, including Antonio Brown, give a ton of effort run blocking. It's very rare to see them standing around or, you know, doing bullshit. They're, they're putting forth effort. And it takes 11 guys to successfully run the football. Quarterback got to be on the snap count. Quarterback got to be on the formation. Guys got to block. Running back got to protect the ball. So it's basic, simple things. It always comes down to the basic, simple things, especially for Steelers teams. Don't turn the ball over. Don't, you know, no stupid penalties. And block and tackle. Yeah, block and tackle. That You know, imagine you'd have to learn how to do that properly to win a game. Um, Perch, you know, we were, we were, we were critical early, earlier in the year about Randy Fickner and, uh, you know, not only the game that he's calling, but also just, you know, his whole plan of attack and game planning and so on and so forth. Um, am I right to think that this is a big step forward for him? Cause I, I felt the, the coordinator and the, you know, the coaching in general on Sunday was light years ahead of where they were two or three weeks ago. What do you think? They played against the Atlanta Falcons defense. I mean, I'm not going to make any general rest rationalizations about how Fickner, you know, he could have called any day. He could have closed his eyes and pointed to a play in the playbook. And it <laughs> Atlanta sucks. You know, that defense was awful and they were missing four starters and it just, you know, Atlanta's defense was that bad and it was a must win game. And, you know, just the freaking comments that come out of the Steelers locker room just drives me freaking crazy sometimes because some of the guys tell the truth where they're just like, you know, people actually showed up for work this week professional and were real focused and, and down on the details. Like, you just thought you were going to show up the first four weeks of the season and win games because it says Steelers on the freaking back of your jerseys. I mean, it, it, it's just not how it works. So it seems like it's like, like it every year. So I think we all see the pattern, you know, uh, big games, nationally tele- televised games, AFC North games. They play typically very, very well in those games, and then they, they play like dog shit and uh, – you know the the off games, so um, I, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't give a lot of credence to the Steelers' offense and what they did in that last game because everybody in the league lights up Atlanta, and I think that'll continue for a while. Yeah, it's a bit more. I mean, we're going to have to wait for uh, the rematches against Baltimore and Cleveland to see what kind of coordinator he really is. Because when you got your ass handed to you, it's you know it, it's definitely. Uh, Interesting to see what happens the next time around in these divisional matchups. I'm going um, to give a pass on that Browns game because of weather, man. That yeah. was brutal. And, yeah, I mean, Baltimore, he definitely that's, – that's the one game that sticks out to me that was bad. I can live with everything else. Yeah, and it looked like the, uh, the team the, – the offense uh, for the Steelers against the Ravens packed it in before the end of the game. That's what really troubled me Unfortunately, I do that. not disagree, and that's a big problem for me. Yeah. Uh, that to me is like something you know was seriously wrong there. Whether it was play calling or the relationship with Ben and Antonio Brown or whatever the hell was going on, Ben's head uh, was definitely a problem there. Um, but you know, like I said, there's a chance for redemption for sure. Uh, you know, in terms of this, uh, the Bengals front seven on defense, they suddenly have a lot of really good pass rushers. Uh, you know, it seems like that is a strength of the Steelers' is pass protection on the edges. How do you see these matchups working out, FC? I'm the most concerned about uh, uh, about the interior pass rush. I mean, fell in I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Go ahead. Fell in away with this short set, everything so perfectly. And you're going to have to really either run up his chest or have an incredible first step to beat him to the edge. And Marcus Gilbert, love him or hate him, when healthy, he's damn good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm concerned about Foster. I'm concerned about Pouncey. I'm concerned about DeCastro with the cast on his hand. You know, um, I don't You mentioned think, this week you think, you think left guard is the biggest weakness that the Steelers have right now. I do. On offense, I really do. I even think it's a bigger weakness than deep threat, and I think that I agree with both you and Perch where we've got to be able to take the top off the offense. But Ramon Foster, I think that he has back issues. I, I wouldn't I wanna say he's fat and lazy. He ran a six and a half minute mile and he recorded it live. I don't know too many people that can run six and a half minute miles. I mean Yeah, especially not three hundred pounds, yeah. Three hundred and probably forty five pounds. And I mean it's I don't know if it's a back issue. I just don't know. He has a problem bending his knees. And if you don't bend your knees, you have no balance. You have no balance. 
can't block anyone. Oh, well, he had you that know? knee injury in the preseason, yeah. so I actually thought he was improved. I actually thought he was proved improved against the Falcons, but as Perch also said, which I agree with, they're not the litmus test. They can't be. They're terrible. You know, um, you know, it'll be a it'll be a test this week. I mean, he, I, I, I if you tell me that the Steelers, I can't think of the guy's name from the Bengals. Gino, if you told me the Steelers shut down Geno Atkins. If, you know, they dominate him in the run in the pass game, I'll be very confident the Sewers win this game. Very confident. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, s- slowing down Geno Atkins is a big task. Um, so we, we've done it quite a few times, especially in wins. You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, Perch, I'll throw this to you. You know, I don't know. How do you how do you figure this particular matchup turns out in this game? The interior of the Steelers' offensive uh, line and the interior of the Bengals' defensive line. If you had to lay money on what it's going to look like on Sunday, what would you say? Uh, I'd say that um, we get the better of them in the run game, and in the pass game, they cause some problems. I mean, that's pretty much what we've seen in the past. I mean, the, the Bengals' pass rush for you know as much as we try to make it out to be, it's Carlos Dunlap on the edge. And he and Marcus Gilbert have had some really good battles, and they each kind of win some here and there. But for the most part, I think Gilbert gives you good enough protection on that side that uh, it's not going to be a major thing. And Geno Atkins will find a way to blow up a player or two in the backfield, you know, and, and that's pretty much what you got to worry about there. Like I said, I, I think if we can establish that run game, you know, it's just like uh, if you guys watch the Conor McGregor fight, man, you get a good striker, you take him down and lay on him for five minutes, all of a sudden their punches aren't so, so strong anymore. If you can run the ball against a good pass rusher, yeah, his pass rush moves aren't going to be quite as, you know, as uh, dangerous as what they were uh, when they're early and fresh and, and all that. So, sure, but I, I mean, but I, think he, I mean, here's the thing, Perch. Just you know, I, I I agree with you in principle, except for here's what they have behind Carlos Dunlap. I mean, they have Jordan Willis on the other side, Sam Hubbard, who's been very good so far, Michael Johnson, who's no slouch, and Carl Lawson. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, comes in as their you know their third down pass rusher. I just that, to me that means you just don't really want to get in third and along against them. Yeah, you're right. They they can wave in guys on the outside, and Carl uh, Lawson's the only one of those guys I think that can really create some problems. Those other guys, I think they combine all of them combined for one sack the whole year. They haven't really done anything for Cincinnati this year, so. Um, although, you know, Lawson, I, I think he's got a handful of pressures and hits. Uh, you know, he only has one sack. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Third and long, I'm more concerned about their, uh, you know, they've got some ball hawks in the secondary. You know, William Jackson's outstanding. And, and uh, just their, their secondary is good. And, and you just don't want to get in third and long because if they make Ben hold the ball that extra second, that's when, you know, strip sacks or he forces the ball into triple coverage to get Antonio Brown's stats up. So, when bad things happen, yeah, <laughs> bad things happen to good people. Uh, at that Makes point. me want to throw my um, furniture out the 17-story window of my house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Let's talk about that, FC. Do you think this is like a just another like thing that'll blow over, or do you have a feeling that this turns into like a thing that the league might actually look into discipline? This, this is, we're talking about Antonio Brown throwing his furniture out of his 17-story window. He wasn't charged with nothing. There wasn't even really a police report taken. Um, Robbie Anderson just, you know, basically got out of two felonies and nothing happened to him. I don't expect anything will come to this outside of it being another distraction. The NFL is monitoring, though. That just released that there. Sure. They're, they're the watching NFL it. Monitor, can monitor what they want. I really don't think that they, without a, even a police report being filed, that they're going to want to get into civil litigation. I mean, personal conduct is pretty much criminal, you know, and this is a civil matter. (laughs) Okay. Killing toddlers, you're you're against that, right? I am, absolutely. (laughs) But, I mean, evidently, you know, the state of Florida isn't. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, but hey, uh, all cartilage, they'll, they'll bounce up like when the uh, Wiley Coyote gets hit with the anvil. They just bounce right back up. Turnover chain. Turnover chain. Yeah. Two two more <laughs> questions about this game, and then we'll move on. Uh, FC, uh, do you do you think Jesse Bates is covering as much ground, as much of a problem for Ben as his predecessor Reggie Nelson? Because Reggie Nelson was really a problem. Oh, for Reggie him. Nelson had Ben's number. I really like Jesse Bates at a perch. Um, 
Let's just hope that uh, we'll say I hope that hamstring tightens up on him in pregame. He's a good player. Um, <laughs> ben, I mean, but I kind of like Ben. You know, he's been there, done that a few times for me. He's won my trust. Um, I really think that Jesse Bates probably is going to have his hands full with uh, with Connor and a little bit of the run game. I'm telling you, it's the quickest way to slow safeties down is make them attack running backs. And it's as funny as it sounds. It's, you, you can watch a lot of players just get drained from it. It's what made Earl Thomas elite and Troy Palomalu elite is they continue to make plays against the run in the past throughout games. You know, there's that can't always be said for every Steelers receiver. You know, I would remember many times, you know, Chris Hope, Ryan Clark, you know, pretty decent guys making great plays against the run and then blowing a pass coverage next down because they were a little bit rattled. They just got their bell rung. They just, you know, had to take on, you name the back. There used to be a lot of bare backs in the NFL. I remember very clearly Jamal Lewis for the Baltimore. Just, they ran him three times, boom, boom, boom. And our safeties were like basically running at each other and touchdown. And I was just like, yeah, we're in trouble. And we were. <laughs> sure. uh, if, and uh, in Perch, my question for you is, Vince Williams comes back this week. Don't know if Fort – still too early in the week to know if Fort is going to play or not. Uh, you know, I guess the question is how much do you attribute the Steelers' improvement in the interior of their pass coverage to Vince Williams being replaced by K.J. Fort? And if Williams comes back and Fort goes back to sitting, are we going to see some of those same issues again? And how do you see that whole situation? Oh, boy. I don't know. I, I think I'll have to – watch and see on that because you know Vince Williams is what he is he's best going forward attacking the line of scrimmage you know the stuff stuffing a run or uh, chasing after a quarterback if he's got to go backwards or cover he struggles a bit but it's not let's let's not overrate what Ford did he did okay he covered some ground and, and, and looked okay I don't I don't think he was that spectacular and it wasn't like he was covering you know elite uh, tight ends and things you know all over the uh, the field in that game. So, um, I, you know, it, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I think that, you know, Cincinnati's probably going to play a game somewhat similar to what we do and then try and establish a run too. And I think that Vince Williams will be there and start and I, that kind of suits his game better anyway. Yeah, I think the one thing that we're overlooking is Morgan Burnett's most likely going to return this week. So Vince Williams is actually, or that, or LJ Fort would have been on the field even probably less because Terrell Edmonds is going to play the money backer or the dime backer if with Morgan Burnett back. Yeah, except for Morgan Burnett didn't practice yesterday or today rather either. So I expect we'll that he'll practice tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, everything that I've read seems that they think he's going to be back this week. Maybe he won't. Maybe they want to get him, you know, the ex give him this week off the bye week and let the, the injury get to a hundred percent. But I'd sure, I'd sure love to see a healthy Morgan Burnett. I mean, if he's not healthy, I don't want to see him. I'll be honest. I uh, agree. Because if you mess that up again, you're short a hat, you know, you're going to be, yep. you just can't do it. Agreed. And, uh, and Brian Allen came in, you know, uh, and was very good on special teams and should have been special teams player of the week. And I had a pretty good week. Rosie next. Yeah, I mean, I understand with the bump lock, but yeah, I think Brian Allen had two solo tackles and down two punts inside the 10. Pretty good performance. Yeah, for somebody that was uh, on the practice squad, you know, a couple days before that, yeah. Um, All right, gents, well, let's let's move on to our ever-popular Around the League segment brought to us by... Dean Blandino, Akeem Talib's mom. Remember we brought that back last week. Uh, (laughs) Chico's bail bonds. Chico's bail bonds and Mike Pereira. Mike Pereira, and I would like to add twenty-five fucking thousand uh, dollars for for saying what everybody who watches the NFL and everybody who works in the NFL knows to be one hundred percent true. Perch, should they not have the rule that you don't get fined for criticizing officiating if it can be proven that you were telling the truth? Kind of like the libel laws, isn't that the way it should work? Well, you know, he kind of went a little bit further than that and said some of the calls in that game were bullshit, as, as I believe uh, the Tomlin quote. And that, that's what got him, and we've got to get it right, and then as a league, and that sort of a thing. But as soon as you, you let that one fly, 
you you know that your <laughs> pockets are a little bit lighter. So, uh, you you know, it, it was coming. And did you guys see freaking Florio, Mike Florio, uh, PFT, dickhead, <laughs> all week kind of lead? Oh, the, the, Steelers, the Steelers are so much favored by the NFL offices. They won't even find Mike Tomlin for this. And then, like, the next day he gets fined and not a peep. You know, just but he's always I mean, running I- that freaking – Frickin', uh, oh, the the league just favors the Steelers and never punishes them the same as everybody else. Bullshit. See, I go further than that, Perch. I think he actually got him fined. I think Tomlin might not have been fined, except for that Florida was making such a big deal out of it that it turned into, like, a optics thing for the league, you know. Anyway, kind of like when they had to uh, – they, they only suspended black players, so when Ben was in trouble, he had to get suspended. No, whatever. Anyhow, um, let's talk about this week's games. It's a more interesting subject than some of the horrendous officiating uh, calls that we saw this week. Like the one, the one against TJ Watt was, I don't know. Actually, FC, well, let's start with that. Which was worse, the call, the roughing the passer against TJ Watt or the roughing the passer against John Bostic? Which one did you find to be more ridiculous? TJ Watt. You have to make contact to have a little hit on the quarterback. He didn't hit him. <laughs> well, he touched him. He didn't really. hit him. <laughs> he really didn't even touch him. I mean, like Matt Ryan touched him. Yeah, if if somebody's hand hits somebody else's thigh pad, it hurts the bare hand more than it hurts the thigh pad. <laughs> the quarterback was in it. It's not like he put a shoulder or a knee into the guy's leg uh, or a helmet into the it guy's nuts. leg. He put a hand into a, a thigh pad. And even the thigh pad's not supposed to be illegal. It's the knee and below. Right. Uh, anyway, that was that. That one was bullshit. The other thing that man, did you? I don't know. Perch, did you see the Michael Bennett one where he was on the ground and he put his arms around the the, the quarterback's feet, basically, and the quarterback fell over and they called roughing the pass. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, at that point, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's almost to the point where the league just basically says if you're on the ground, you can't even. You almost have to stand back up before you try to take the quarterback down. I understand you can't, if you're crawling, you can't dive at his knees, but if you're already down, he, and he gently, if you watch what he did, he put an arm around, tried to turn and lay the guy down. It just, you know, he, he did it as gently as you possibly could uh, and, and still tried to make the tackle. But I don't understand the Bostic play. I, uh, to me, it, it looked like at first Bostic was trying to stand back up and he accidentally, you know, lost balance and, and, Wait on Ryan, and then another time it looked like he was almost in Ryan, Matt Ryan's ear talking shit, and then threw a shoulder into us. So I couldn't tell what happened there. The officials were closer. Who knows? But I, I, I like guess I, I, I thought know. Ryan actually had a hold of him, like trying to um, stand up and pulled him over. That's was my initial impression. But it's hard. It was really hard to tell. It was way. really weird looking. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite tell. I had to watch. It you know what I mean? Like times. nothing. Even after not, watching, I don't know what happened. Not, I mean, not malicious, but that he grabbed him like as a way of balancing so, himself to, so that they got untangled and he could stand up and that Bostic lost his balance whenever that happened. That, that's sort of what it looked like to me, but who knows? Anyway, all right, fine, enough with that. Um, uh, FC, the Rams at Denver. The reason I bring this up is the Rams are a seven-point favorite at Denver. Is there any way on earth that they don't win this game by two touchdowns? Cooper Cup and, and Brandon Cook oh, don't play. Shoot. I don't think they're going to win the, the game at all. Yeah, forgot about that, but I mean, I don't know. They didn't practice today. I think they're I, the biggest pretenders in the NFL. I think they're going to be one and out in the playoffs. Well, that I don't argue with, but Denver is right. bad. Denver might be they bottom are. three. No fly zone, baby. <laughs> no fly zone got up and left. Have you not met <laughs> to leave to, Akeem Tlaib's mom? Yeah. Uh, no longer right. snipering. Yeah. Um, if the if if Cup and Cooks play the Rams will cover. Um, if they don't play, I expect that Denver will keep it within a touchdown, but I bet on the Rams. I'll take the Rams. Uh, Perch, how do you see it? Yeah, I think the Rams have enough talent. They'll win. You know, it, you never know going into Denver. Sometimes teams don't react while playing there, but uh, the Rams are just a more talented team. They get better basically across the board, so I'd take the Rams to win and cover. Yeah, I just feel like you got – a team that's at least top five in the NFL in the Rams and a team that's bottom five in Denver. I don't care about the altitude or anything, but I mean, health, healthy, you know, of your regular players. Yeah. That's an issue that could, that could come up and bite you, but I like the Rams as well. It's kiss of death. We all like the Rams. Um, <laughs> uh, Jacksonville at Dallas. 
Jacksonville suddenly become a team now that for the, for the Steelers having to play them later in the year, that's a team that might be competing with the Steelers for a playoff spot, playoff seating. Um, and, you know, they, they have played a couple of games in a row now where they really have not looked so good. I'm um, wondering how you see this, Birch. Jacksonville's a three-point favorite at Dallas. Dallas seems to be playing a little better. I don't know. How do you see this game? I hope the Cowboys win. I mean, just for rooting interest, I just think Jacksonville's a, a much more talented and well-rounded team. And just, you know, you know that Jaguars offense, though, you, Blake Bortles is still the quarterback. In some games, if your defense is bad and you let him, you know, he'll, he'll do good. But if you take that running game away, they become pretty pedestrian. So I think the Jags are a lot more beatable than they looked last year. Um, but I, I think they're good enough to win in Dallas. Dallas is still a mess. Yeah, David Irving comes back this week, I think, which he's actually a pretty good interior player for them to, you know, in this matchup where they're going to have to have good interior line play. I don't know. How do you see it, FC? Oh, I think Jacksonville's going to destroy them. Interesting. Yeah. um, Dallas' problem is not pass rushers. Dallas' problem is skill position players. Dallas' problem is defensive backs. I mean, the the Byron Jones story is – over. Um, the NFL put out a film on defensive holding this past week, and I think he was an example six times. It's over. He is, I mean, I understand he hasn't allowed a pass completion or a touchdown catch. He's going to be targeted. Um, I don't believe in Dallas. I, I, I am so happy we didn't take Leighton Vander Esch. What a horrible player. You can only play him against the pass. He is absolutely the most soft, terrible player. Whenever Sean Lee's out and they pull you on rundowns, there's a problem with you. So, yeah, I like Jacksonville. I think Dallas is really heading in the wrong direction. Although, FC, I will say this, they made up for whatever Van Der Escher is out to be. They have a sort of a pass because they drafted uh, Jalen Smith, man. That guy can freaking play. That guy is a stud. Yes, he's a good player. One one twist from being Robert Edwards, though, and that knee being completely done. So yeah. I, I, I hold my breath. <laughs> I, okay, uh, I I will say uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dallas and the three. Um, I, you know, Jacksonville might win this game. I just Dallas at home. I'm not really just not feeling it with Jacksonville. I don't think uh, Fournette is healthy, which is a big problem for them. Um, Let's see here. The, the Baltimore Ravens at Tennessee. Uh, Perch, I'm going to say uh, I'll start with this one. I, you know, who is Baltimore? Are they the team that, that shut down the Steelers utterly? Uh, are they the team that crushed Denver? Or are they the team that, that looked absolutely um, horrendous in a couple of their other games this year? I mean, that's the first question. Second question, who's Tennessee? They've, they've done the same. Yeah, I have two Pretty much two teams that I don't really believe in at all. I'll take the home team in the three points. How about you, Perch? Baltimore by twenty. <laughs> I think I think Tennessee's just soft. I think Baltimore physically dominates them. I, I just I think Baltimore's a lot. I think Baltimore's a lot better than you think. I think Tennessee's worse than you think. So I'm going Baltimore. Go in there and stomp them by twenty. FC, what do you think? Every time the Tennessee Titans have been physically challenged this year, they've physically beat the shit out of teams. I'll take the Tennessee Titans and the points. Yeah, that's a, I think that's an interesting game. I really do. All right, last one. This is the marquee matchup this week. Uh, this would be at New England. They are three-and-a-half-point favorite over Kansas City. Um, I, I'm actually uh, – I, I have pretty much no idea how this is going to turn out. I think this game could go either way, any with a number of directions. Um, kind of have a feeling that Kansas City will be able to run the football against New England, and that might be the difference in this game. Because I think if you can't run it against them, if you can't do more than just show the run uh, against them, you're going to have a really hard time. I'll, I guess I'll, I'll take Kansas City and the three-and-a-half points. Perch, I know where you're going, but we'll go to you first. Yeah, you know where I'm going. Just the law of averages. Kansas City's not going to go 16-0, and and uh, the Patriots aren't going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. So I, I can't see six games into the season, the Patriots being a 500 team and, and the Chiefs being unbeaten. 
I think that uh, Belichick now has five games of uh, of tape on this this young quarterback over there in Kansas City, and he's gonna he's gonna have a couple of things up his sleeve for him. And and Brady is is gonna be uh, you know uh, I think he's he's gonna be raring to go against uh, the guy who's taken a lot of attention away from from him. Uh, it's a quarterback position, so I think the Patriots win and cover. I'd say Patriots uh, thirty to twenty four. I mean, you know, and. and... Let's let's face it. Uh, Brady is savoring the matchup against a, de- a bad defense. <laughs> I don't. Kansas City's defense is not as bad as as some of the other defenses we played this year. They're a little. They're like a little closer to the Steelers' defense. Um, anyway, FC break the tie. How do you see it? Andy Reid's new Tom Coughlin, but Andy Reid has really got Bill Belichick's number over the years. Um, I actually think Kansas City's can and will outscore them. I just don't buy into that New England defense at all. Rob Gronkowski is nowhere near being right. Um, I think that Kansas City can will be able to score enough points to win the game. I think it's going to be fantastic to watch. I think a 45-38 game, but I favor Kansas City. Yeah, any you guys have heard, heard anything about Eric Berry? Is he close to coming back at all, or is he still a ways away? I, I think he's still on injury report, so I don't think he'll be back this week, um, but I think he's getting closer. Think yeah, of your heel. It. It's my understanding that he has a slight hairline fracture in his heel. Yeesh. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's a hard bone to break and a harder bone to have get healthy. As long as you don't take any steps, it should be pretty easy right. for you. Yeah, wow. Okay, uh, all right, well, that, that wraps it up for our uh, Around the League Pick segment. Actually, I got one more thing. It's not a pick, but um, you guys see any of Aaron Rodgers last week? Yeah, he hasn't been too impressive this year. Yeah, I mean, really, like all the all the criticisms that that uh, Steelers fans like to make about Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers pretty much checked off all the boxes last week, holding the ball, missing open receivers, uh, missing throws that he normally makes. Um, you know, basically trying to play out of structure and, and forcing it too hard to make stuff happen. Yada yada. Didn't miss four field goals, that would have won the game. Yeah, except for that, if they wouldn't have needed the four field goals, if if Rogers hadn't given it away a couple times in a really really bad places. I don't know. I just felt like it was an unusually bad performance for him, and that uh, just you know, just curious if you guys saw it similarly. But yeah, the the field goal thing. Mason Crosby is that guy's. I mean, I'm, I'll be yeah, shocked. We're not going to talk about kickers. Fucking <laughs> Let's not talk about kickers. Okay. Uh, at any rate, that's it for our pick segment around the league segment. Uh, let brings us back to our four star matchup, maybe a five star matchup this week. Your Pittsburgh Steelers facing the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, last week I did all this uh, analytical thinking about how the game was going to. Uh, this week I feel less inclined to do all of that. Uh, I think the Steelers are a little better than the Bengals. I'm going to say it is a close game, though. 30-27, to 27, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, figure out a way to win and maybe make a field goal to get to that 30. Uh, maybe make a, a few field goals to get to that 30. 30-27, 30 to 27, your Steelers over to Bengals. I'll go to UFC. How do you see this happening? Steelers 23-16, to 16, three touchdowns and a safety. Um, I don't expect a field goal, <laughs> but I do expect three extra points. Um, I think the Steelers are going to control the game, control the clock, run the ball. I don't think it'll be as close as the score leads you to believe. I think Cincinnati might put up a late garbage touchdown. Um, expect a heavy dose of James Conner. Uh, maybe this is the week that James Washington makes a play or two vertically in the passing game. Um, in a battle of wills, I'm just going to put my money on the Steelers' offense and defensive front over the Cincinnati Bengals. I often battle against myself. Um, Perch. <laughs> what does the Battle of Wills? Uh, Perch, how do you see it? Well, two things I'm very disappointed in. FC just called James Conner James Conner instead of John Oh, Connor. yeah, shit. That's, that's bad. <laughs> he earned it. And speaking of Juju, nobody this entire 72-minute podcast has ever mentioned the name Vontez Perfect in a week against Cincinnati. What the hell's wrong with you two? <laughs> um, so maybe James Washington uh, will will knock out uh, uh Con, we'll knock out perfect on on a crackback block this week, and, and finally, uh, you know, get get himself going in the Steeler Nation's uh, eyes uh, for a change. But uh, no, I, I think Pittsburgh's just going to out physical him. I think it's going to be 
you know, Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati part 102, the same thing we see year after year over and over. We're going to, you know, win those battles at the line of scrimmage. We're going to confuse Andy Dalton. Uh, we're going to be able to sack him a few times or pick him off and, and, and just, you know, one thing I will mention. Oh, sorry, boys. Fuck it's fine. <laughs> one thing that Cincinnati seems to have done well against the Steelers over the years is script their first drive. And how many times has Andy Dalton and the Bengals offense come out in the first quarter and put up a touchdown driver two and looked really good. And then all of a sudden the rest of the game, they don't, they do nothing. So, um, just don't want to throw that out there. Um, but yeah, I think Pittsburgh wins the game. I think they, they kind of control it on the ground and, and their defense makes more plays than we would expect them to. But I think it still will be close just because the Steelers don't put teams away. So I'm going to go like 24, 22 Steelers. Hey, you guys make me feel bad about my prediction. I thought it would be a close game in the, oh, well, <laughs> 20 to 30 to 27. That feels, that feels uh, ambitious now. So especially because it really occurred to me that it requires three field goals. Um, and a couple of extra points. So uh, three field goals and three extra points. That seems like a lot of kicks for Chris Boswell to make. Anyway, final thoughts, Persh, I'll give it to you. Um, you know, one, the only other thing that I didn't mention during the podcast, if we're looking at, say, the top ten defenses in the league, are three of them in the AFC North? Uh, just kind of looking at our schedule and the teams we played and watching other – I think the Bears clearly had the best defense in the league, and the Jaguars are pretty good, and they're up there somewhere. But Baltimore and Cleveland – I think are definitely two of the top five defenses. And Cincinnati is probably in the top ten, too. So just looking around the AFC North and, and the games that we have to play and, and you know, kind of uh, judging our, our offense, boy, I think there's we're playing six games against top ten defenses this year just in the AFC North. I'll, I'll let you have that perch, but i got to say this. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense is better than the Bengals' defense. Let's, let, me, let me throw that one out there for a hot take. Um, and I think the season will prove that out, too. Uh, FC, final thoughts. Um, be the hammer, not the nail. <laughs> On both sides of the ball. Plain, simple, and easy. Take it to them. You should win the game. Don't turn the ball over. Nice. Uh, my final thought is, uh, I just, uh, is there anything better than football than uh, the crying fan Jif uh, or the es- fans leaving on the escalator early at, at Paul Brown Stadium? So let us hope we get to have an early escalator escape for some unhappy, crying Bengals fans on Sunday. How about that? Uh, In that spirit, uh, FC, Perch, and everybody else who's listening, uh, on behalf of all you and SteelerFury.com and uh, so on and so forth, so on and so forth, here for, here for, and whatever, this is your host, Brad Shonovan, a.k.a. Woolmass with X saying, go get them. Steelers, thanks for a great podcast, guys. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.